Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We do have a classic sports movie challenge queued up. Might be the last of the year. It is a July-only presentation, but by decree, the producer, Darren Vaught, has said, back by popular demand, we will send at least one more prize from the DG Show prize closet. How does it work? Our statewide syndicated audience voted the top 50 movies of all time from the sports genre. We, in- we assign our interns one of those movies. They are tasked with digging out as many dazzling details as they possibly can. Often it is a movie that we think we know from A to Z. Darren plays the audio. You have to tell us the name of the movie. We usually try to make it not very difficult. We always find a winner, even if it's not the very first phone caller. And then it's worth sticking around because today it'll be intern Tommy again representing the University of North Carolina. I Except with maybe, maybe Bull Durham was the one example where it was hard for the interns to tell me things that I didn't already know. But that's only because Bull Durham is maybe my favorite sports movie of all time and I think I did that research that they just did the 2019 edition of. Today is another of my very favorite sports movies of all time. That is the only hint that you get. I promised one quick MLS update. Then Darren will cue up the audio. Then we'll come to your phone calls and give away a prize. And then Tommy will dazzle us with details about this particular classic sports movie. If you dare to call in ahead of time, it is 1-800-849-2761. Major League Soccer did have its All-Star game in Orlando, Florida last night. Far more important than the game, for our purposes, is that the MLS Board of Governors gathered and discussed, among other things, their updated expansion plans. There were eight bidding groups in attendance. Charlotte was represented. Raleigh was represented. And reading the tea leaves, plus listening to the MLS commissioner, Don Garber, plus listening to the people that we know here in North Carolina, Steve Malik behind the Raleigh bid, Kurt Johnson, one of his right-hand men also behind that bid. David Tepper of the Panthers, of course, is behind the Charlotte bid. Reading between the tea leaves, here's the quick update for the soccer fans of our state who may celebrate that we already have the NFL and the NBA and the NHL, but like baseball fans who yearn for our own MLB franchise, it is closer to reality that we could have an MLS franchise thanks to these two bids. The bottom line educated guess in the aftermath is this. St. Louis and Sacramento are still in the driver's seat for the next two expansion franchises. They're just further along in the process. If you didn't know, the MLS currently plays with 24 teams. That means on-the-field active franchises in Major League Soccer. If you didn't know, there are three more that have already been named. Miami and Nashville may start playing next season, but they've already gotten their franchises. Austin, Texas has been named an expansion franchise and is expected to start play in 2021. So that means they're essentially at 27, and their stated goal is that they're going to be to 30. They're not shutting the door forever on the possibility of 32, but they're going to get to 30. Originally, there were supposed to be announcements last night about maybe 28 and 29. Now, that didn't happen, but St. Louis and Sacramento are still expected to be 28 and 29 There are loose ends that even they have, and that's one of the reasons there was no announcement last night. The other reason is that the MLS has decided that it is more fun for anybody who wins a franchise to announce it on their own turf so you can rally your fans and have a big celebration and a made-for-TV type event. So they're at 27. St. Louis is 
looking really good, all but emblazoned as number 28. Sacramento is in the driver's seat for 29. And that means in the short term, only one more American city or North American city is going to get a franchise. Charlotte is in that mix because of David Tepper. But as Don Garber said last night, if you missed his comments, they're not 100% sold on the idea of Bank of America Stadium as the home of an MLS franchise. Everything else about Charlotte's bid is good. The market is big enough. David Tepper's pockets are plenty deep enough. They already have 30,000 commitments for season tickets. They already have corporate sponsorship agreeing to advertise and or buy luxury suites. They already have corporate sponsors announced. Ally was one very recently. Like, they're giving actual data to the MLS showcasing how they could hit the ground running as an MLS franchise. The only fly in the ointment that Don Garber has mentioned at all is that, of course, almost all, what did uh, Jim Zoki just say? There were four or five MLS teams that play in NFL stadiums. Now, it's okay if you're Atlanta because it's a brand-new state-of-the-art stadium built with the idea that the Falcons were going to play NFL games there, but also the MLS was about to expand to Atlanta, and they made the stadium with that in mind. That's different than taking Bank of America Stadium, which has been around for decades, and trying to sort of retrofit it so that it can fit 70,000-plus for football, but then you don't have the eyesore of tens of thousands of empty seats as you're trying to market a new MLS franchise. So it sounds like if Charlotte can get past that hurdle, then it's on the front burner, maybe even MLS team number 30. If they can't get past that hurdle, guess what? Charlotte moves down the ladder. And David Tepper's dream of this multi-purpose facility at some point, as he said, in the next 10 years, that's a long time. If David Tepper's going to get a Charlotte franchise as MLS number 30, it's going to have to be Bank of America Stadium. If it's that lurking in the background, we're going to build something that lures a Final Four here. We're going to build something that is a multi-purpose facility for concerts and basketball and our new MLS team. Well, then you're way down the ladder because your stadium, of course, is one of the most important things in your bid for a new franchise. If Raleigh can build the downtown stadium, guess what? Raleigh becomes a candidate for number 30 or number 31 or number 32. Las Vegas and Phoenix are there with Charlotte and Raleigh on that second tier. Again, St. Louis and Sacramento look good to be 28 and 29. Those two cities join Charlotte and Raleigh as the next tier, Vegas and Phoenix, with teams like or cities like Indianapolis and San Diego also trying really hard. At 30, we have a shot. At 32, I think it's inevitable that the MLS comes to the state of North Carolina by then. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. All right, let's give away a prize. Intern Tommy is on my side of the class ready with his dazzling details. It looks like Jeremy, Gary, Neil, Jason, and Ray are already queued up. They haven't even heard the audio yet. On the degree of difficulty scale, Darren Vaughn, I'm going to say that this is a low degree of difficulty, and I haven't even heard your scene yet. I do know the movie. It is one of my favorites. But there's about 10 different scenes that you could play that unless you were maybe a really young person where this hasn't hit your radar yet, you are virtually guaranteed, especially if you've listened to this show for a long time, you're virtually guaranteed to get this one right. All right, Darren, cue up the audio. We'll find a winner at 1-800-849-2761 here 
is today's classic sports movie challenge. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, it's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. People will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. The memories will be so thick, Darren, that people will have to brush them away from their faces. Uh, not a hard one. This is our gift to you as we wrap up this year's Classic Sports Movie Challenge. No pressure, Jeremy and Sanford. We, of course, have put that pressure right on your shoulders. Can you name that Classic Sports Movie? Uh, I want to say The Code of Dreams. That is correct. Field of Dreams. That was Bill Raftery style. Onions in the background. Jeremy in Sanford, North Carolina is today's winner. Is that one of your favorite movies by any chance, Jeremy, or did you just get lucky that we picked that one today? Unfortunately, no. I'm only 25, man. Uh, That's impressive. 25-year-old. So how did you know it was Field of Dreams? What was the giveaway? I watched it when I was like 12. Oh, okay. You know, my grandpa, so. <laughs> so. So you've seen it. That's all good. All right, stay on the line. We'll tell you how to claim your prize. There are many options in the DG Show prize closet. Sport clips, haircut certificates, tickets to live sporting events, books donate, donated by the great sports authors that drop by as guests here on the David Glenn Show, Smithfield's Chicken and Barbecue gift cards. We have partners in Sullivan Steakhouse and Continental Tire and many, many others. You will see it is a long list. Sometimes you get two choices. We have ACC Sports Journal and ACCSports.com subscriptions, among other choices. I recently mailed Carolina Hurricanes Blanket, an ACC football T-shirt ball cap combination, uh, a set of Masters golf ball markers straight from Augusta National. That was claimed. You can also ask for a DG Show T-shirt if you'd like to add that to your prize, 1-800-849-2761. All right, Darren, Tommy has been too dazzling with his details for us to launch into that right now. So we'll get to him on the other side. We'll keep you up to date on the leaderboard at the Wyndham Championship in Greensboro. I can share this. Webb Simpson and Brant Snedeker and Bill Haas and Harold Varner are all on the leaderboard as we speak. Guys like Jordan Spieth and others did not tee off until more recently, uh, but those guys are already in the clubhouse with some of the best rounds posted on day one here of competitive play. 1-800-849-2761. It was the trade deadline yesterday in baseball. It is a big day in all of football. First NFL preseason game tonight. College football reporting day today, high school football practice day for the first time for thousands of athletes here across North Carolina. We're celebrating with a football question of the day. If you have a story to share along these lines, please do. The question is, how do you describe how playing or coaching football impacted your life or taught you life lessons? Larry Fedora says the decline of football would mean the decline of America. We're not going quite that far, but we are celebrating the Vince Lombardi-style lessons 
that the sport of football has taught many. 20-plus percent decline in high school participation in the sport of football, even as high school sports participation in virtually all other sports continues to go up and up and up. Those life lessons on football. Intern Tommy on today's classic sports movie, Field of Dreams. Your phone calls, 1-800-849-2761. Next on The David Glenn Show. Mike Krzyzewski joining us. We asked folks you work with at Duke if you've changed or mellowed over the years. Well, you know, mellow is having a glass of wine and looking over, you know, the sunset, you know. <laughs> uh, I don't see how you can be mellow and coach a game. That can't happen. If it does, then you shouldn't be coaching. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. We are collecting football stories today. The NFL is back with a preseason game tonight. Falcons-Broncos, Canton, Ohio, Hall of Fame game. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, and Michelle Tafoya will be on the call for NBC. That makes it feel more real, doesn't it? It's just a preseason game. The Panthers and everybody else have to wait another more week to play. It's reporting day in college football. Practice begins tomorrow for most. And first day of practices today for so many. Thousands across North Carolina at the high school football level. With that sport in mind, how do you describe how playing or coaching football impacted your life or those you were teaching and coaching? 1-800-849-2761. Intern Tommy is on my side of the glass. We have another winner with the Classic Sports Movie Challenge. It was Field of Dreams today. As we go to Tommy and his dazzling details, and we welcome your phone calls on the Major League Baseball, college football, NFL, NBA, MLS, and other headlines of the day, 1-800-849-2761. I can tell you, as we go to Tommy for even more dazzling details, that the American Film Institute long ago declared that Field of Dreams was one of the top 10 American films ever in what they called the fantasy genre. So they had all these different genres, 10 different films in 10 different genres. So one of the top 100 movies of all time, that's courtesy of the American Film Institute. And our National Film Registry, which each year adds 25 films to its, this archive, essentially. Field of Dreams by decree of the United States Library of Congress, also a part of the National Film Registry. That shows you how important it is, and that's why we turned to intern Tommy to dig out dazzling details about today's classic sports movie. Tommy, what's dazzling detail number one? So we're fortunate here in North Carolina to be connected to a lot of different sports movies. Bull Durham, set here. And Field of Dreams actually has a character based off an actual person, Archibald Moonlight Graham, who was from Fayetteville. He played at UNC and had a very brief major league career and did play some in the minors and that famously that sort of brief thing. major league career you might say right absolutely absolutely but so in the scene when they're describing moonlight graham all the people that you're seeing are people that knew the actual moonlight graham and they're describing the actual person not the character that is cool that the writers came up with i did not know that and i felt like i knew everything about field of dreams that's pretty cool I, that's that's a, a page turner for me. Very well done, Tommy. Right out of the gate. So also the 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 movie was a big in investment and sort of expenditure for the town. The town was very involved in all of it. The fa uh, farm that the field is on is an actual family-owned farm. The house that they were in owned by that same family in Iowa. Right? In Iowa, so they had to take 
this family's farm and totally uproot it basically <laughs> the field is still there and the family that owns it um smells sells some like cheap souvenirs and between april and november you can go and just play on the field they let people have access to it to it but also um the famous final scene where you see all the cars from way right. way in the distance all the headlights that was a huge project taken under by the town itself of dryersville iowa so all the cars are filled with locals Four hours of policemen directing traffic. The yeah. entire town had to be blacked out, and they had to coordinate with all these 1,500 cars it was to simulate movement. They would flick on and off their high beams. So no one's actually driving. They're all sitting in their cars still, flipping, flipping their beams on and off to make it look like they're driving. But one other uh, way the movie impacted the town was Iowa was in a huge drought at the time of filming. All right. And for the movie's purposes... That's bad for corn, I've heard. It is bad for yep. corn, yeah. So they needed the corn to be a certain height for the actors to be able to walk into the cornfield and disappear. So their solution was to truck in $25,000 worth of water from the Mississippi River to this farm in Iowa to make the corn grow, which, you know, it helps the movie, great, but the surrounding farmers are still suffering through this drought what and looking at us, right? looking at all this water going Trucking to all right this by. corn and they're not getting a drop of it so as so you guys make your movie but i lose my family farm because of the drought absolutely. that could be very upsetting I can, so, I can see that so as much as the film i'm sure excited people there were also definitely some drawbacks there was also a really stacked cast for this movie yep. kevin costner ray liotta and james Earl jones of course all famously in the movie one name that was almost in there, Tom Hanks, almost played Ray Kinsella and said he dropped out and Kevin Costner got the part. But two names that aren't even credited at the end of the movie were then-unknowns Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, who, who are two people this who are— This is very little-known but dazzling trivia. You could win a bar bet with this one. Go ahead. They're extras in the Fenway Park scene. So at this, you know, at that point in their career, nobody really knew who they were. They were doing all they could just to be in stuff. But noted Red Sox fans, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. And then as extras, they were in Fenway Park when uh, Ray and Terrence Mann are, you know, at the game and wa watching everything go down. Spoiler alert, Ray kidnapped Terrence Mann, at least in Terrence's eyes. That's how it, it unfolded. Do you have anything else on Kevin Costner? I don't want to steal your future dazzling details, but I have one more tidbit just that I know because it's one of my favorite movies about uh, why they didn't think they'd have Costner. One of the reasons they were talking to Tom Hanks. Wasn't it because he had just finished filming that, Bull Durham? That's correct. If you Yesterday's classic sports movie was Bull Durham. So you got to think of the timetable here. And I, I just remember this timetable because I moved to North Carolina in the summer of 1987. So the fall of 1987, and Darren, I don't know if you got Pink Floyd concert emails the way I did. Yeah. <laughs> but in the, fall, in the fall of 1987, the people are filming Bull Durham in Durham, North Carolina. They need extras for some of their more complicated scenes, and they actually went to a Pink Floyd concert in Chapel Hill and rec recorded or, or uh, essentially pitched to concert goers, hey, y'all want to go from a Pink Floyd concert to being in a really cool baseball movie called Bull Durham? And, you know, jokingly, some people said they were not in the best condition to receive those pitches to be an extra in a movie. But when Field of Dreams was being made, you got to think about this. Field of Dreams is released in 1989. So it's being filmed in 1988. So Costner was filming 
Bull Durham in late 87 and early 88. And when this great idea, you want to talk about back-to-back classic sports movies, both with the baseball theme, these are made within like a year or so of each other. So Costner's just wrapping up Bull Durham. Field of Dreams is a great idea. They know it. They get James Earl Jones. They get the rest of the cast. And they assumed Kevin Costner would be like, man, I don't, I don't want to be typecast as some baseball movie dude. But he worked out so well that they, he surprised them by saying, no, I'll, I'll listen to what you have to say. He, he, of course, reads for it. He gets it. Tom Hanks did end up getting uh, a league of their own. So everybody lived happily ever after here. But it's amazing given that Re- Kevin Costner as Ray Kinsella is such an iconic uh, figure and character that there was a chance it wasn't going to happen. Very well done. Tommy, what else do you have for us? Well, speaking of casting, there's one cast member that nobody really knows who they are. In the credits, when you see the voice, which is the voice that yeah, tells yeah. Ray to build the field, where to go, sort of drives him on his journey the whole movie. Ease his pain. In the credits, he is listed as just himself. And the studio apparently never released who actually voiced the voice. So there are people who have um, suspicions that maybe it's Ray Liotta or Kevin Costner, but they never actually confirmed who it was. So to this day, technically at least, he's still an unknown. Wow. If you build it, he will come. There's a lot of that. I don't know. Does anybody think they know whose voice that is? I couldn't tell. No, I'm not even going to begin to try to guess. Is that another like of America's Unsolved Mysteries? I think so. (laughs) Does that person live in that area in New Mexico? While walking next to Bigfoot, <laughs> you just might. You While just swimming might. You never next know. to the Loch Ness right, so monster, but here's my thing: this this movie. Do the conspiracy theorists have their hands on this yet? <laughs> <laughs> this movie came out in the late '80s. It seems impossible to me that who whomever is the voice of of the voice here is just going to die with that. There's no way, right? At some point, we've got to find out. Yeah, you'd think, but it's 30 years later. Yeah, that's a long time to keep a secret, man. You you better have a small circle of people who know if you're going to keep a secret for 30 years. And I've never heard anything rumblings about who it is. And I love this movie. I guess I just stopped asking or stopped thinking about who it was. I have read, and I don't know if this is in Tommy's notes, uh, you know, Ed Harris. I think Ed Harris is also an extra in there somewhere. The there actor. were there are people who think um, that is a potential voice of of the voice. Oh, and he could oh. be the voice. Interesting. I thought Ed Harris was in the Fenway scene that Matt Damon and Ben Affleck were in. You know, very low key wise. Um, but but that might be an urban legend. I'm not sure. Go ahead, Tommy. So. The character, Ray Liotta plays the character of Shoeless Joe Jackson, this guy who played for the White Sox, was a big part of the their throwing the series scandal. And in real life, Shoeless Joe batted from the left side of the plate. Yes. To make things easier for the movie, they let Ray Liotta bat from the right side of the plate, which is an, a historical inconsistency that people have called him on many times. But his response to it, and I think you're going to appreciate this, is basically, yeah, but the players didn't come back to life either. <laughs> that sounds like Ray Liotta, right? <laughs> so I think the, the spirit of him being Shoeless Joe Jackson playing baseball, yep. it still I, comes across, even though he's from the, the right side of the plate. I traditionalist giving him a hard time because he had the bat from the other side. What, why, whatever, right? In, in between uh, 
smoking cessation commercials, Ray Liotta can snap back at people that way. Absolutely. And I, I got one more, one more for you. By the way, did you do the J.D. Salinger thing? That's what I was just about okay, to do. Go yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that's that's the one really I wanted to. This is the one I wanted to end on. All right. So in the original book that the movie's based on, Shoeless Joe by W.P. Kinsella, the there's a depiction, a fictional depiction of author J.D. Salinger that the real life Salinger was not a fan of. Um, he took offense to the way that he was portrayed in the book, and once there was rumblings about the movie coming out, his legal team, you know, sort of gave the evil eyes to the studio. Yeah. It was like. You better and Terrence, not. Terrence Mann's a, a tricky character, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. So if you're the real world J.D. Salinger and you're reading this script, you don't know if you're going to come across as a jerk or you know a compelling figure or a right. sympathetic figure. Like with Terrence Mann and James Earl Jones, you end up loving them. I think I did, right? But there's it's touch and go for a while. You well, you you said your finger was a gun. Remember that part where he's being kidnapped? There was a part where he was spraying bug spray at Kevin Costner to get out of his apartment in Chicago or whatever. Uh, it was – I can get why J.D. Salinger was a little worried about how it would end up looking on the silver screen. And, I, and you're right. I remember reading that the lawyers got involved. And if you guys say that's J.D. Salinger and it doesn't come out the way we want, we've got a lawsuit ready to be launched. So, yeah, we're, er, James Earl Jones as the reclusive Terrence Mann instead. That was a very believable character, right? Yeah, they just said, okay, we're going to have a guy with the – we're going to depict him the same way, I think. But um, we'll just say he's someone totally different and nothing you can do about that. Long before Florida State wingman turned NBA summer league roster guy Terrence Mann <laughs> of the Seminoles, right? I don't know if that Terrence like. <laughs> Mann is reclusive, but uh, he's at least one of the three most famous Terrence Manns of all time. Intern Tommy, is that the end of the road? Yeah, that's the bottom of my list, David. I, I wanted to save the best for last. I thought you did a great job there. Extremely well done, as you did all month long. The rest of the interns as well. They delivered, and you delivered, and we have a couple of dozen happy winners getting their pick of prizes from the David Glenn Show prize closet. We will retire the 2019 edition of the Classic Sports Movie Challenge. We always reserve the right to pull it out if there is a specific reason to, but it is typically a summer-only production here on our statewide show. Thanks to Tommy, as always. Last call for phone, call is on, phone calls is on the other side. Football is back at every level, high school, college, and pro. We've been taking stories today from those who played the game high school, college, or otherwise, and say it taught them life lessons that they feel to this day. You can share your story. Vince Lombardi said, football is like life. It requires perseverance, self-denial, hard work, sacrifice, dedication, and respect for authority. If you have your own version of that football-related story and how it turned out that way in your world, share it today at 1-800-849-2761. We do have a question of the day from baseball fans. Who's the biggest winner? Who was the biggest loser at the trade deadline yesterday? The Yankees and the Dodgers, everybody agrees, are contenders, but they didn't do much leading into or at the deadline. The Astros got Zach Greinke, former Cy Young Award winner, added him to arguably the best starting rotation in baseball. The Mets have a pretty good one as well. The Braves dramatically upgraded their bullpen. They're leading the NL East. They had major bullpen problems. They get all-star closer Shane Green from Detroit. They get 
uh, Mark Melanson from San Francisco. He's been an all-star. He's in his mid-30s now. Chris Martin they got from Texas. So perhaps the Braves' weakest link just got a lot better as well. Astros and Braves most voted the biggest winners. Yankees, Dodgers, and others voted the biggest losers, at least in the trade deadline sense. You can chime in with your baseball answer at 1-800-849-2761. That's the number. We hope you'll call. 1-800-849-2761. I'll get you some updates from the Wyndham Championship and more NFL training camps next on the David Glenn Show. Ruffin McNeil, welcome back. I know we'll always be a huge part of you and your family. You know, this will be my last coaching stop. After this, yeah, maybe join you on a radio show or Amen. do some of that. Yeah. We'll, but, be, we'll uh, be doing some remote shows from your boat in the middle of the Caribbean somewhere <laughs> if I have my way. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Stephen Carey wants in on the football question of the day. With the NFL preseason games beginning tonight, Broncos-Falcons, Canton, Ohio, NBC National TV, Al Michaels and friends on the call. With college football players reporting today and practice beginning tomorrow, and with high school football underway for thousands of youngsters across North Carolina, that's a big day in football at multiple levels. With that in mind, and with the ghost of Vince Lombardi looking over our shoulder, we asked, how do you describe how playing or coaching football has impacted your life? The participation numbers are way, way down, more than 20% the decline over the last five years in terms of high school football participation, even as most other high school sports are seeing their participation numbers go up significantly. Football has been trending in the opposite direction. We're celebrating football and the lessons it teaches with your stories, 1-800-849-2761. As we go to Steve and you, Darren, I grew up in a sports media world where I was almost never confronted with something that I needed a translator. So as a little kid, I read newspapers. My dad says I learned to read by reading the sports page of the Philadelphia Inquirer. you got to remember this is pre-internet. So I read books. I read magazines, Sports Illustrated, Sporting News, and otherwise. And yes, the Daily Newspaper. Almost never was I confronted with a story, even after that internet came along, where a prominent story would confuse me so badly that I needed Rosetta Stone or something like it to translate. I kid you not, one of the top stories as we speak and as we come to Steve and other calls at 1-800-849-2761. Here is a front page story at ESPN.com where I need you to be my human Rosetta Stone or I am just going to be in big, big trouble. As I digest most, I get all these NBA, NFL, baseball, MLS expansion. I got it all. I don't get many of these wrinkles, but here's one. If I told you that Ninja was leaving Twitch for Mixer, would you have any idea what I'm talking about? Yes. Ninja is leaving Twitch (laughs) for Mixer. And it's a sports story. I didn't know where you were going with this, but this makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. A, I don't know who Ninja is. He is a very, very prominent gamer. So just know that he is, is sort of the face of the eSports world. I believe my son, who's a gamer, has mentioned Ninja, come to think of it. Fortnite and other things? Yeah. Okay. That, is that the go-to? I think so. I don't know. Okay. It's, it's a world that I know a little bit more about because I, I guess I interact with 
more people who are are heavily into that sort of thing. But uh, I have heard of Twitch. Yes, I could not I could not explain Twitch, but I have heard of it. So Twitch is where so if if you, for instance, are a fan of esports and you want to watch Ninja play Fortnite or whatever, right. whenever he goes to play, he can stream it on Twitch. So it's it's the viewing platform for which you can you can consume others playing video games. As we go to Stephen Carey, and of course you have an explanation for what Mixer is as well. Would that be the alternative to Twitch? That would be the Twitch? alternative to Twitch, correct. Okay. So I've, same I've sort heard, of platform. I've heard of all three of these things. Because I have a gamer who's a, who's a son, I have come to this conclusion. May, I don't know what percentage of people would fit this description for you, but in my life I have met a small percentage of people in my circles who have said to me, DG, I mean, I'm happy that you're making a living in something that you're passionate about and knowledgeable about and you have a fun, a lot of fun going to work every day and I hear you talk about it, you know, with a beam in your a gleam in your eye about how much fun it is to get paid to do stuff that, you know, you might have been willing to do for free back in the day. But this small percentage of people that I know have said, I'll never understand why people are so mesmerized watching other people perform sporting acts in sporting competitions right like whatever they're they're mountain climbers they're skydivers they're doers and they just can't wrap their brain around what is of course a mega billion dollar american industry given tv ratings for the nfl and nba and even to a lesser degree baseball and hockey and other things lots of people like watching lots of athletes and coaches do lots of things so those who say they don't get it are actually outnumbered by a lot in the United States of America. The first time that I've ever understood their point of view is when somebody asked me, would I watch somebody like Ninja <laughs> play an esports game on Twitch or Mixer? My answer is no. I have as little interest in watching somebody play a video game as those folks tried to describe to me at one point how disinterested they are whether it's whatever the Super Bowl the NBA finals the final four I, I never understood their l complete lack of interest until there was an esports example where I have a complete lack of interest yeah so so my my uh, rebuttal to the the first of those scenarios not the video game specific one would be that you're you're watching for some sort of spectacular feat, right? I mean, when you yeah. watch, when we watch sports, we're looking for feats of great athleticism, right? And it, chances are, there are things that only the athletes we're watching can do, and most of us consuming whatever sport that is cannot. I don't feel the same way with a video game because I don't it's not actually them, right? I mean, I, I get that there's and, and there I, skills and I have involved. Both. Here, here's the funny disconnect. Of course, I appreciate Major League Baseball and, heck, minor league college baseball players for that matter because it's the sport I played for 20 years. I see subtleties that a lot of folks would not see. I played a little tennis. I played a little hockey. I played virtually everything to one level or another, almost. And it gives me greater appreciation to see those who do it best in the world, right? I did play video games, but I, I'm not that entertained by somebody who's even greater 
at today's video games than I might have been at, you know, our somewhat more primitive video games back in the day. I, I'm, I'm impressed, like, you're the best in the world, Ninja. Tyler Blevins. Like, congratulations. <laughs> I didn't even know his full name. But I'm, I, I don't have an ounce of curiosity to see why he's better at Fortnite than others, whereas I'm mesmerized about Tom Brady and Drew Brees as NFL quarterbacks. Yeah. I'm mesmerized about, you know, Kevin Durant and LeBron James and the other best basketball players. Baseball, it's a no-brainer. Hockey, I've, you know, played since I was five years old. And even some of the sports that I did not play, it's a different connect. It's, it's the, the, the eSports is one more step removed. I'm watching human beings use their bodies in amazing ways, right? Ninja would be using his body with like, you know, joystick-like controls. And then whatever's happening on the TV screen is apparently that much more amazing. I, I can't get a, I can't cross that bridge. I, I mean, many my favorite sports would be a ten point out of a ten scale, right? Interest level, and even some things, you know, if you're not as interested as often, you might watch the majors in golf, the Ryder Cup, etc. I'm close to a zero when it comes to even the greatest. I'm more intrigued by the greatest chefs in the world, the greatest novelists in the world the greatest artists in the world, right, that I am the greatest eSport players. Yeah. I, may, I, don't, I wonder how many sports fans fit that description. I get it, and, and because it's 2019, I understand the appeal of it, but I, I think I'm, I'm very, very much closer to your side of that camp in that I just, there's a disconnect for me. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a surrogate accomplishment in some ways. Since it's a big day in football, we're going to go to Stephen Carey on life lessons delivered by that great sport. I do know that Ninja has earned millions of dollars. So I'm not rolling my eyes at anybody, you know, making their living doing anything. I'm just saying I'm not personally interested. I'm not degrading the guy or demeaning the guy, even if he hadn't made millions. I mean, great. You're great at something. That's fantastic. I'm not, I have nothing against those who do enjoy it. But this guy has like 14 million followers on Twitch. And I would assume there's a nice price tag for his, his jump to Mixer. Sure. Right? Stephen Carey, how did football change your life? Welcome to the David Glenn Show. Hi. How you doing? Doing great, man. What's on your mind? Hey, I was just, uh, my takeaway from football, I only went to the uh, high school level. But you never know. Until you try. That's my takeaway. Hmm. I had to uh, to get a new helmet. I had a helmet that had one earpiece, and the other one had a broken snap. And I wanted a new helmet really bad. And I had to go up against three of the fastest guys in football. Not even, not only football, but in baseball and hockey. You never know and, until uh, you try. I like that. Right and. It took me three tries, but I finally got my new helmet. I finally beat the fastest guy on the football team. And what a reward just to get that new helmet where my left ear wouldn't, wasn't scratched uh, <laughs> up anymore. <laughs> I get it. I appreciate you sharing your story today. Man, I, I would, I, again, I did not play football at a high level at all. Uh, heck, 
My peak in football actually came in college, Darren. Clearly not a varsity football player. I did play baseball into my 20s. I played other sports, you know, through middle school or a little bit beyond. But at St. Thomas University, where uh, I was that, you know, starting goaltender for the team that almost dethroned the, the Red Army squad that had been previously undefeated. You got ejected, right? Banned from intramural yeah, sports. I could That's have been one the of my backup goalie stories. for Red Army. I chose to start my own team and try to challenge the dynasty instead. Uh, we did make a lot of headlines, and, and we did throw a few haymakers, and we did end up in front of the dean, dean of students, but that's another story for another day. True story. There was also a dynasty in intramural flag football. So I kid you not, there was a guy named Andy Ellisberg who right now is a VP with the Miami Heat. I, I, he is their capologist. Okay. He used to walk around campus dressed all in black, like the former owner of the, the Raiders, Al Davis. And he had this weird mystique to him. He was not an athlete himself. Andy's a really, really big dude. But he was going to recruit a team that took on the dynasty of St. Thomas University in intramural flag football. And he recruited me to be his starting quarterback. He saw me as the lefty Kenny Stabler. Now, remember, I played a little football. And I mean, backyard football, I played a lot. But it's not like I came from a high school program and could throw it all around. You know what I was reminded of in flag football? In flag football, you better be the best athlete on the field if you're going to play quarterback. Because most plays break down. You just need to make something out of nothing in flag football if you're the quarterback. So that Andy Ellisberg did go on to greatness. But let's just say his Al Davis experience as the, quote, owner of our intramural flag football team did not go all that well. I got so beat up. This is in flag football. I got so beat up that I was on, like, the disabled list for a month with a, with a bad hamstring. I came back as a backup wide receiver and made some uh, Steve Largent-type catches after nice. I was unable to deliver as a Kenny Stabler, Jim Zorn-type left-handed quarterback uh, for Andy Ellisberg. Who knew he would go on to such great things? Who knew that we'd end up somewhere else in this crazy sports universe? Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch. Next. UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. I, but I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the come. Special thanks to the always fun Michael Collins of ESPN for dropping by on the Wyndham Championship and other golf craziness. Jim Zoki live from Panthers camp on all things NFL was a lot of fun. Thanks to intern Tommy for delivering once more in the classic sports movie challenge. We appreciate Kevin Costner, James Earl Jones for making contributions on today's programs as well. Your TV picks start with more baseball but remember it is the first preseason nfl game broncos falcons eight o'clock nbc al michaels and friends in the hall of fame game enjoy the games we'll see you tomorrow mr president barack obama welcome to the david glenn show how are you david it's great to be on it's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in north carolina i always say uh, i love the state of north carolina 
Love the people of North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.